I'm so glad that you guys are all here engaging in this time in reflection of the word. Um, it is a, a critical time for us, um, especially as believers, that um, we are building up our faith in our time in prayer and in our time in the word. And so uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, this is the read and rant. And what we do is we simply just engage with the scripture. Uh, we seek to hear from God as we read the scripture. So this is a time where I'll read for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then I'll spend another uh, 20 to 30 just reflecting on what the word is speaking into um, as we uh, navigate through this day. So I pray that this would be a blessing to you. My goal for you is to read through the entire Bible. That's it is to see every believer read through the entire Bible. And so I'm going to read along with you. Uh, for those of you who have been here from the beginning, we've read, we've read through the new Testament. Now we're reading through the old Testament. We've gone through uh, Genesis Exodus. Now we're reading through Leviticus. We're on the, almost on the other side of it now uh, of Leviticus. And so, uh, and, and what I'm praying for is that your perspective of the scripture is changing. Your perspective of the text is changing, uh, that it's, encouraging you that it's building you up i hope that um, maybe for some of you this is opening up a whole different a whole new way of reading the bible that you didn't know before um and often this is you know i guess one of the unfortunate realities is that for a lot of us we because we haven't re read through the entire bible we there's so much that's lost um especially when it comes to the rules and the ten commandments and all these things i I pray that this would be encouragement to you um, as we engage in the scripture. So if you can turn with me to Leviticus chapter 18, and we're just going to engage, we're going to engage and I'm going to pray to get started. And then we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to press in father. We thank you that you have allowed us Lord to, um, Lord, just to engage in your word. Um, you've given us your word, Lord, that reveals your character, that reveals your heart, uh, that reveals who you are to us. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would see uh, you, not just Lord, words and letters written on a piece of paper or on a tablet, but Lord, that we would see, uh, Lord, you and discover who you are and your plan and your desire for your people. Bless us in this time, Lord, as we engage. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18, and I will read verse one. You guys can, can read along with me. It says this, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord, your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord, your God. <laughs> you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother, you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife, you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, 
whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, the nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is near of kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are near of kin to her. It is wickedness. Nor shall you take a woman as, uh, sorry, nor shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister to uncover her nakedness while the other is alive. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and judgments. You shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own, sorry, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations, the men of the land which have done, who were before you, and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore, you shall keep my ordinance so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord, your God. Leviticus 19. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord, your God. Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourselves molded gods. I am the Lord your God. 
And if you offer a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it of your own free will. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it and on the next day. And if any remains until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire. And if eaten at all on the third day, it is an abomination. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned the hallowed offering of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the death, deaf, nor put the stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not do Shall you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people. Nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord your. So I'm the Lord. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 17. You shall not hate your bro- your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with any other kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen or wool come upon you. Whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine and who has not at all been redeemed nor given her freedom for this, there shall be scourging. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting a ram as a trespass offering. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he committed and the sin, which he has committed shall be forgiven him. When you come to the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruit as uncircumcised three years. It shall be uncircumcised to you. It shall not be eaten, but in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy. A praise to the Lord. You shall not eat anything with blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in the flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot, lest the land fall into harlotry and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths 
and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Give no regard to mediums or familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of weight, length, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. Ooh. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying again, You shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man, and I will cut him off from the people because he has given some of his descendants to Moloch to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from that man, when he gives some of his descendants to Moloch and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Moloch. And a person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourself, therefore. Be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Mm. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Therefore, their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they. 
that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death. <laughs> if a woman approaches an animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow, and he has uncovered the flow of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from the people. Hmm. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, nor of your father's sister, for that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. Now, therefore, keep my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell, uh, bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation that I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. Hmm. But I have said to you, you shall inherit the land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean. You shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as clean. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium, who has, a famil who has familiar spirits, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. I'm debating on if I should stop right here. Um, and just, just so I can really sit on this and work this particular, uh, portion of scripture. There's a few things that stick out here uh, from this text. I want to first start off by saying this, that if uh, if you are here for the first time and you're wondering, um, um, we just finished reading 20, uh, chapter 20. Um, um, if you are here for the first time, you're wondering, okay, what are these guys doing? Like, what what is this thing that they're engaging in? Um, is this a Bible reading? Is this a Bible study? What is this exactly? This is what I call the read and rant. And what we do here is we spend about 20 minutes reading through scripture. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on, um, 
um, the scripture. And the whole purpose, the primary purpose of it is to motivate you to um, to read through the entire Bible. I believe every believer should read through the entire scripture and not just part of the scripture. I'm talking about the entire scripture, the totality of the scripture. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. We've, we've been journeying through the entire scripture. We've read through all of uh, the New Testament and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. And it's been, I believe, at least been incredibly fruitful for you because for many of you, things are starting to come together now because there's a lot of things that you may have been taught about the Bible that's that's not true. A lot of things that may have been taught to you about what the Bible is about, it, is, it isn't true. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, miseducation that's happened even in the church um, concerning the Bible, concerning scripture. Um, and so because of that, it's important to um, just to speak into that um, and, 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 to, and to really just give you guys a new perspective on the scripture. And I truly believe this, that it's a, it's a life-giving endeavor when you actually read through the entire Bible. Most people who judge the scripture or most people who have something to say about the Bible, they haven't actually read it. They just, they've, they've simply taken the piecemeal snippets of the scripture to those who, you know, have given it to them. And whether it's been misappropriated to them, misused, whatever it may be, they take those snippets of scripture and, or how they've been used, you know, against them. And they say, well, the Bible is... Um, oppressive or the Bible is uh, it's fake. It's used as a way of, of oppressing a people. And, you know, you, you'll hear so many different things about what we have to have to say about the scripture. And I find that most people who have something to say about um, or who have something negative to say about the Bible um, haven't really read it. They just haven't. They haven't read it in totality. And that's one, that's one of the things I say. I say, read the whole thing first. Okay. And then afterwards, then determine what this book is really about. Okay. What this book is really about. And then, you know, we'll go, we'll move forward. I have some people here who, who will say also, and before I even get to my thoughts uh, for today's and, and what the Lord is, is leading me to as we read it. Um, I've had some people who will say that um, I have a hard time reading through the Bible because it's difficult to understand. I'm glad I know there's some people here who are, who are feeling that way. Let, let me make this clear for you. Um, the Bible is primarily a spiritual text. It is not an intellectual text, meaning if you read the Bible like a textbook or an intellectual text, you're going to lose it. Right. You, you, you're going to say, wait, I, I don't understand this and I don't understand that. I always tell people this. This is the most important thing you can do, especially as for those of you who are new in faith or who are just getting into reading the Bible is just read it. I was there. Just read it. Um, even even if you don't understand it, just continue to read it, continue to read it. And as you're reading it, I want you to be asking three questions. What what is God revealing about himself? What is God revealing about people and what is God revealing about me? Okay. When, when you begin to read it that way, then you, then you realign your posture to read the text in a way that is transformative, not in simply a way that is informative. Um, we're actually not meant to be informed by the word. We're actually meant to be transformed by the word. And so it's a deeply and profoundly uh, spiritual endeavor. 
Um, and so I just want to make sure you guys understand that, um, uh, how critical that is. Um, there are a few things here that I want to, I want to point out and, and I, I want to make sure, um, we, we, we catch, we, we catch a few of these, of these key words in this scripture. And then afterwards, I'm going to say some things that I need to say. This isn't a Bible study. However, there's some things I need to point out first before I say what, um, the Lord is, uh, revealing to me, um, there's a word that we see here iterated over and over again, and it's a, it's a, it's a new word that seems to continue to pop up in this book, in the book of Leviticus that continues to pop up in this chapter. And the word is wickedness. See this word, um, you know, if a man marries a woman and her mother, uh, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they. There may be no wickedness among you. Um, or uh, when we look at uh, 17, when it says, uh, if a man takes a sister, his father's daughter or his mother's daughter and sees her nakedness and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing and they shall be cut off from the side of the people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. So this word wicked, and you'll see it all the way through, um, wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. Um, we often, uh, when we talk about wickedness, and, and I have to preface all of this because we, we, we still read the scripture from a, um, you know, 21st century Western, for, for those of us who are Westerners, and even Easterners who are very much influenced by Western ideology, we read the text like a Westerner, not like an Easterner. Um, we, we read the text like, you know, like an American, right? Or a Canadian or a Jamaican. Um, there are people from all over the world or as an Australian, right? We read the text that way, but we don't read it like an Easterner. We don't read it like a Middle Eastern person. I hate using the term Middle Eastern because I think that can even be derogatory in and of itself. But if you can read the text as an Easterner, then you would understand what this text is actually saying. If you read this text as an Easterner, you would actually understand what uh, what is being written here in this Mosaic law. And what, what, what the consequences of that are and what motivates this law to be broken in the first place. I'm going to need some time. I hope you guys will give me um, a little bit of time today while I uh, break through this. But when we talk about wickedness or we talk about abominations, we use these terminologies in our context and in our terms. So most of the time when we think about wickedness, we think evil. <laughs> when we think wickedness, we think evil or we think bad. Let's put it that way. Bad. Wicked is evil or wicked is bad. That's that's the general. The Bible you have has no mention of wickedness. Ooh, that's really cool. That that there's a different. I'm glad that you know 
some things are being retranslated because that gets lost. That terminology for wickedness is what is opposite to the heart and the character of God. The word wickedness there speaks into the personality of God, the character of God. So when something is wicked, it's opposite to the character and the personality of God. Why is that important? That's important because sometimes we often equate what society judges as bad as wicked. Meaning we have a cultural rubric for good and bad and not a, not a, an absolute rubric for good and bad or for righteous and, and evil or sorry for good and evil or for righteousness and goodness. So we have this, this cultural rubric for, for goodness. So when we read wickedness, we measure wickedness within the context of what our culture and society deems as wicked. So there's still a, uh, what's the word I want to use? A subjectivity to reading the text when we talk about wickedness. When wickedness is not what we would define it as wickedness. Wickedness is what is what is opposite to the character of God. So wickedness, hey babe, are the boys watching as well? Babe, I, I know I, I spoke to the boys last night. I told them I want them watching the reading rants now. That's gonna be uh that time that they spend in the morning. So um let you know bring the boys in so they can listen. I wish they were there for the reading if they hadn't been, but I spoke to them last night. Um I know you were you were asleep, but I spoke to them last night. Um but it's important for them to learn these things as well. That wickedness is not what society deems as wicked. So the moment we see wicked, we measure it by our own cultural context. Wicked here is defined, simply put, by injustice. That is, that wickedness speaks to the opposite of God's heart, the opposite of God's desire, the opposite of the character in the personality of God. Okay? When you begin to understand that then, when he says something is wicked, we take it as something is evil. And yet that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, it ain't me. Now you can say, well, what if whatever isn't God is evil. But here's the problem. We have cultural undertones to what we mean by that. And it's the very misdefinition of wickedness that I believe has caused the church to treat certain sin a certain way and other sin a different way. We, because here's the thing, right? Is if something is unjust, it is wicked. Okay. It speaks to the injustice that is. That and, and we're seeing the justice of God being defined here because the justice of God is the righteousness. Actually, the word righteousness and the word justice um, are equated to each other in the scripture. And so when the scriptures tell us that God is righteous, what it's saying is that God is just, meaning God stands for all that is right in the world. If it isn't right, it is wicked. You with me there? If it isn't right, it is wicked. Notice, it's not 
Well, if it's kind of right, no, if it isn't right, it is wicked. So withholding good from people is wickedness. Okay. Um, 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 treating others better than others, right? Partiality is wicked. How we treat each other now determines what is righteous, that is just, and what isn't righteous. And what God is doing here is he's aligning us to help us understand that rightness and wrongness is determined by the very character of God. Ooh, I, I hope, I hope you guys are getting this. And I know this is going to make some people uncomfortable because when we talk about wickedness and we talk about abominations, we think of it as dirtiness and evil. We think of abomination as dirtiness and we think of wickedness as evil. And so because of that, when we see certain parts of this text explained a certain way, when he talks about when a man sleeps with a man or when a woman, when a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. We put a tone to it. That's not in the scripture. <laughs> I'm going to make some people uncomfortable here. And because of the tone we put on it, it's almost as if the church now feels that it has a license to treat a person a certain way because the Bible calls what they do an abomination or because the Bible calls what they do wicked. I know it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. But wickedness and the abomination speak to what is opposite to the heart of God and how man ought to be with one another. And what we don't realize is that when we go and we use wickedness to explain wickedness, we're being wicked while we're telling somebody else that they're wicked. We're being an abomination while we tell someone else that they're an abomination. This is what we've done to the LGBTQ community. We have used scripture at like this and we've used it not in a way to bring healing to the person, but in a way to bring pain and to inflict pain, not understanding what the scripture is actually saying. Do you understand? This is important family. This is, this is, this is critical because this is speaking into the character of God. This is not to say, I want to make sure everybody understands this. This is not saying that God permits these things. The problem is, is how we interpret them. And the way we interpret them is not the way that God interprets it. And it's not the way that the Hebrews understood it. it I, I got to make sure you guys understand that. When you read the text from your cultural context, you will look at this text and you will say, look at all the abominations and the wickednesses of those people. Not understanding that the word wickedness here speaks to injustice. It's not to say that God permits it. It is injustice. A man marrying a woman and her mother is, let's change the word now, injustice they shall be burned in fire both he and they notice it's not to say that God permits it 
because God does not permit injustice. (laughs) But now we get to really move towards healing. I know a lot of people are getting really, really uncomfortable with what I'm saying right now. But stick with me for a moment. I don't have enough time to really break this down. Oh, if y'all give me a little bit of time, but I guess I'm just going to stay here because there's so much that I needed to to get through, Um, but I'm not going to get through. But I just feel like I got to lean and rest on this because I'm realizing how almost provocative what I'm saying is, especially for those who've grown up with a certain way of thinking about the way the scriptures explain certain things. Instead of looking at it as wickedness, because when we look at it as wickedness, family, stay with me now. When we look at it as wickedness in the way our culture defines wickedness, okay? When we look at it as wickedness, the way our culture defines it as wickedness, it's dismiss them and destroy them. Okay? But when we look at it in the way that the scripture defines wickedness, then we understand that there's another layer and another tone to it. Okay? Stay with me. (laughs) Stay with me. I'm taking my time because I know this is going to make some people uncomfortable, but I need you to understand that what God cares most about is his holiness and his character. Okay. Now there are those of you, and let me make sure I keep you. I, I, let me make sure I keep everybody um, in the rails here. I want to make sure I keep you all in the rails, so you guys know where I'm at. This does not mean that God is saying, "Don't judge those people," or "Don't judge that kind of behavior," and that kind of behavior shouldn't be dealt with, and that we should look at the sins in ours and not, and not look at the sins in theirs. There's a problem with that as well, because now we're dismissing the holiness and the righteousness of God, and we can't do that either. Okay. So we're not going to veer out and just say, well, then let's just do whatever we want to do because God knows our heart and all that. No, what I'm saying is I got to keep, I got to bring everybody back in because we have people who will loosely say, well, that was just the law. And so that law doesn't apply. And so there's other things in the Bible that don't apply. Therefore, you know, we can just do this and live this way, and that's okay. That is not what I'm saying. Because I know some people are getting real, real testy here. That's not what I'm saying. However, I'm also making sure that I bring other people on this side in to understand that the way that you have determined and judged righteousness and quote-unquote wickedness may not be God's framework. It may be your framework. It may be your cultural's framework. It may be your society's framework. Because what the scripture is saying here is these particular activities are unjust. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference, family? Oh, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they catch it, Lord. I hope they catch it. Do you see the difference? That 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 when you see the word wickedness, I would love to know what what the word wickedness is in your Bible. Um, 
that with the translation that you read. But when, when we read wickedness, simply put, it is injustice. See, now when we think of it this way, ooh, now we realign. We realign the way we address things because we're so quick to speak about certain injustices, but quick to let these injustices go. We're so quick to permit certain injustices, but we let other, but we fight for other injustices, right? We're so quick to fight against racism, but it's okay to have this type of injustice. We fight against communism because that's injustice, but it's okay to practice, you know, it's okay to, to, to forget the poor. And to ignore the poor, it's okay for me to practice my way and living the way I want to live. Ah, but it's not okay for this man to go and abuse this child. It's okay for for us. You see, you see, you see where I'm going here. You see where I'm going here is that we have a way that we go about defining our own justice that we impose a certain injustice on people and we address the injustices with so much boldness and passion and yet we ignore the other injustices of the world oh no we we got no that one is wickedness oh but did you not read all the other forms of wickedness in the scripture These are all penalties of breaking the law because they all veer from the very character of God. You see, God, oh, I don't have time. God cares about his children. Notice what he says in every one of them. Consecrate yourselves in Leviticus chapter 20. I can go backwards. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Notice he's saying there, be holy. Why? For I am the Lord, your God. Notice in the chapter before, every time he speaks to his justice that must be fulfilled, he says, you shall love, um, 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 you shall not take vengeance in verse 18, 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? I am the Lord, your God. Hmm. We, we continue to see through the text. You shall not go about against a talebearer among your people, nor shall you stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Then he continues on. If I go even further up, you shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob them. The wages of him who hired you shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord. Why? I am the Lord, your God. He says, you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard, nor shall you leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. Do you see where we're going here? Is that, is that every law that he's instituting and everything that he's saying, he's pointing to his very character. He's saying, if you will be my representatives and you are going to be my people, these are the things that you ought to do because I am the Lord, your God. 
He says in verse 37, therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. Why? Because I am the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 20, now he tells them what the penalties are for breaking the law. He's saying you break these laws. There's a consequence for it because you are in my presence. Now, some of you are saying, I, I need more Bible. I need, we've been reading up to this. Go catch the previous read and rants. We've been reading through Leviticus all the way up to this point. We're hitting a climax now in this scripture. We're hitting a climax in this text that the way that we ought to live amongst one another relates very closely to the way that we ought to live in the presence of God. The problem isn't rightness and wrongness. The issue is the presence of God. That is that if I am the Lord, and if God is holy, then I, to be in the presence of God, must be holy. But in order for me to be holy, I'm going to need the blood to cover me. However, if I have the blood and the blood covers me, then this is how I live, not just in my relationship with God, but in my relationship with people. Let me back this up. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to rant, but let me rant for a second. Starts off with sacrifice. The law now in Leviticus has superimposed now stipulations for how when the law is broken, that the price can be paid for. Every sin, every law that can be broken, how it can be paid for. The atonement is the sin of the, that the sin of mankind can be imputed upon the animal, that the sacrifice of the animal now God counts as being made holy and righteous before him, not by their doing, but by the sacrifice that they bring that every time the blood, every time the sin is committed, the blood was shed. And the moment that the blood was shed, the sin was erased. This is the economy by which they live, which was a reminder to them of the holiness of God, but also a reminder of the grace of God that God gave a stipulation for unrighteous, sinful people to live in the presence of God. He's talking about now a people with God, how we ought to be with God. Notice the scriptures are leading us into the presence of God, how we get into the presence of God. And what gives us access to the presence of God is a sacrifice of the blood offering. That is the atonement. We see this now in, in, in Leviticus 16 and in Leviticus 17. Sorry. Yeah. In Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 17. Now we see now what's happening as we get into the presence of God. Something not only changes between who we are with God, but something has to change with how we ought to be with one another. That is that we must practice our interrelational um, dynamics that they must be um, that they must be addressed, that they must be appropriated in a way that represents the character of God. Meaning the way that my relationship is with God now has to reflect the way that my relationship is with other people. Stay with me now, because a lot of people like to get stuck on homosexuality or they like to get stuck on, 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 on all the other sexual sins. And they sit there and they impose that on you, but you miss the story is that God is saying in this text is he's revealing in this text. He's saying that now that you're in relationship with me, out of your relationship with me, now comes the expression of how your relationship ought to be with each other, with one another, meaning through me is justice. That is that when you are in my presence, there's justice. Now we're moving into chapter 18. Now we're moving into chapter 19. And what God is saying is that out of my presence, 
Now, the way that you ought to be with each other is as such. Don't cheat on each other. Don't lie on each other. Treat each other appropriately. Look at those who are less fortunate. Treat them well. Elevate those who are beneath you. Help those who are in need. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's telling them that out of my relationship with you now, in being in your presence, this is how you ought to be with each other. Anything other than these rules and how you ought to be with each other is injustice. Because it does not represent my heart. It does not represent my character. I feel a heavy burden on this. Because we often look at this as simply sin, but we don't look at it as injustice. Whenever the scriptures speak about wickedness, the scriptures is speaking about injustice. So yes, when a man sleeps with a man, he's not trash. He's practicing injustice. When a woman sleeps with a woman, She's not trash. This is, a, this is emblematic of injustice. This is not how we ought to love one another. When you bear a grudge against your child, it's injustice because that's not God's heart for that child. So yeah, what we do is, is we come with judgment, but we actually don't come with justice. So we judge those who have committed those sins, but we don't practice justice. If a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. That's not how God sees that father's daughter. That's not how God sees that mother's daughter. If you're in the presence of God and God's heart is with you, this is how you ought to treat his daughter. When you see a man Do you see someone that you just simply receive happiness and love from? Or do you see that person as being called by God to glorify him? When you see a woman, do you see someone that you just receive pleasure from and happiness from? Or do you see that person as someone who is made in the image of God? Hmm. Um, I have, I've heard, I'm sorry if I stay here for a minute. I had some other things I wanted to share. I don't know if I'll get there, but, um, I've seen many, many men. I've had conversations with a lot of guys who 
you know, I don't know. Their significant others get, you know, they get caught sleeping around or she gets pregnant. And I often ask, you know, what are you feeling right now? And they'll say, man, I just feel really bad. I feel terrible. And I'll say, well, why do you, why do you feel, why do you feel terrible? And the common answer that I'll get is feel terrible because, you know, I just, it just looks bad. And I, I hurt, I hurt that person. I, I hurt, you know, the, the, I put her in a situation that we weren't ready for. And I'm like, that's, that's good and all, but you don't need to be a Christian to feel bad about the consequences of sin. You don't, you don't need to be a Christian to feel bad about the consequences of sin. Same way, gravity is gravity. You run, you, 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 you fall on something, you, you scrape yourself, you're, you're going to hurt. That's, 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 that's going to happen. But it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. See, we, we see like the consequences of our sins and we feel bad about the consequences, which is a problem because if we feel bad about the consequences of sin, then we don't actually feel bad about the sin. We just feel bad about what came out of it. Like we're, as long as we, we didn't get caught or you, you never got pregnant or as long as that happened, then you didn't really feel bad about it. And that's the problem. You don't understand justice. See, we talk about Black Lives Matter, but that's still an injustice as well. I had a brother maybe about a year ago who found himself in that situation. And I said to him, and he came, I mean, just remorseful. And I came to him and I said to him, well, why, why do you feel so bad? And you know what he told me? He said to me, before she dated me, she was really close to God. Because of the relationship that I've had with her, she's just lost that connection with God. And I said, hmm. Hmm. If only we would see it that way. If only we would look at our spouses as imagers of God. If only we would see that there are sins that we commit in relationships that actually create injustice. Then we would stop pointing at people and their abominations and seek to be agents of justice and healing.
And why did God want all of this? I want you guys to understand something. I want you guys to understand something. Um, all these laws. I'm going to say something that's going to sound incredibly provocative, but stay with me. I'm going to get into, I'm going to get into all kinds of trouble, especially reading in this section, because everybody loves bringing up all the stuff in this section. And the funny thing about it is when people bring up this section of the scripture, they'll say, well, look at this. This is an abomination or, or this is a sin. Like for example, um, you know, tattoos. Um, that's, that, that's always a funny one because people will use the scripture. Um, where is it? In Leviticus 17, uh, concerning tattoos and people will say, well, there it is. The Bible tells us that tattoos is a sin. Okay. Let me, let me, let me help. Let me help break this down for a second. First step. This scripture wasn't written to you. If you've been here for the last three or four days, you know, we've been talking about it. That Leviticus was not written to us. It was written for us. So first thing is, if you read it, it's not a law written to you. So it doesn't apply to you. One. Two. If it doesn't apply to you, then the more appropriate question that you should be asking is, if it's to them, what does that mean for us today? Why did he tell them not to wear tattoos? He told them, do not mark your bodies for the dead. And then he said, I am the Lord. Now, why would God say I am the Lord after he told them not to mark their bodies? He told them not to mark their bodies because marking their bodies spoke into what they worshiped. And so when they marked their bodies, often they were marking their bodies for the dead. These were pagan practices. Remember, all these laws that are being instituted in this text were being instituted to distinguish the children of Israel from the rest, was to set them apart from the rest. Okay? So he tells them not to mark their bodies because if they did, they would not be set apart. Everyone else is practicing this pagan practice of devil worship, of demonic worship, and of marking their bodies in these ceremonies. The way they used to mark their bodies is they would literally, for the dead, cut their bodies and do shapes like they cut their shapes and they would put the ashes and rub them on their bodies, which would leave permanent marks. Okay. It's always funny. I always find that interesting because the word tattoo there doesn't even really apply today because the, the tattoo didn't really exist. Okay. Even at that time. So um, we just put our, remember that's our cultural context. Okay. We put that in. So the law, first of all, wasn't written to us. The way that tattoo is defined here is not the way that the tattoo is defined today. More importantly, we have to ask the question, why did he ask them not to wear tattoos? Here's the other thing that's kind of interesting about it. It's just a verse before it. It tells them not to put lineups on their beards and on the edges of their hair. So if he tells them not to put lineups on the edges of your, why is it that we're so, who, who gets to choose which one's more important than the other? 
Why is it that we say no tattoos, but it's okay to get a lineup? <laughs> right? Or they say no tattoos, but go ahead and get that lineup though, because you know you're looking kind of clean. You're looking, you're, you're looking a little, little, little dirty. So you know, line it up, clean yourself up. You ever seen that? They'll tell you your church, clean yourself up, but then you get a tattoo. <gasps> That's a, didn't the Bible say? Just give them the verse right before it. <laughs> right? Um, why am I bringing all this up? I'm bringing all this up because, um, again, we read the text as if it's written to us. The moment you get rid of that, it saves, it solves a whole bunch of issues. Stop reading the text as if it was written to you. The text about tattoos was written to the children of Israel. How they ought to live with each other was to the children of Israel. Now watch this. The rest of the world was practicing these other things, marking their bodies. Um, by the way, uncovering the nakedness is, is another interesting thing that we don't get to speak about. Um, but the uncovering nakedness is not just seeing them naked. Okay. Uncovering their nakedness is that's a whole, whole different, um, uh, uh, conversation. Well, we'll leave that for another day, but, but, but now in, in, in Leviticus 18, right. These, these sexually immoral deeds, you know, all the things that you saw here were things that everybody else was practicing. They were all doing it. Okay. The sexual immorality, the cheating, um, the financial cheating. You saw all those, those cheating their neighbors, robbing. All these things are things that everybody was doing at that time. Okay. So, so all these things were things that everyone was doing. And so what he told, what God told them, he said, don't do these things. Why? Because I am the Lord. What was he doing? He was distinguishing them from everyone else. Okay. And then he says, if they do break those rules, then the priests will make atonement for them, for their sins, meaning it will require an atonement sacrifice. All we're saying here is, is that there was a purpose by which that God was calling these people to do this. And that was to set them apart. I just feel so drained. Oh, even sharing this because I've seen this misappropriated so many times. And yet in Leviticus 19 verse 37, he says, therefore you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. Why? Because I am the Lord worshiping on the Sabbath. That was a law for the Israel, for the children of Israel. It was not for us. It was never for us. Okay. Sorry. It was not to us, but it was written for us. And what do I mean by that? Meaning the implication of it is important because we're learning about the character of God and how God wanted his relationship with his people to be and the relationship that the people ought to have with each other. So when we see these laws, consecrate yourself for I am holy. If a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. By the way, it is um, for those of you, quick little fun fact. Uh, there are there's there's a lot of theological support for this. That when when we talk about Canaan uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Genesis nine. Genesis 10. Genesis 10. In Genesis 10, when, when Noah curses 
um, ham when Noah curses his ham because he saw he uncovered his father's nakedness um, people think that you know ham was cursed uh, because or that you know that, that that the son was cursed sorry not ham Canaan that Canaan was cursed because he saw Noah naked no the scripture didn't say that he saw Noah naked the scriptures tell us that he uncovered Noah's nakedness okay what was Noah's what does it mean to uncover Noah's nakedness what well, we see in Leviticus 2011 he says a man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness okay uh, meaning uh, he dishonored his father's bed we see, we're going to see this in Deuteronomy um, 27 verse 20 as well. And so, um, and that's a big deal. So people go, well, it's not a big deal to just, to just, to just, you know, it's no big deal to just see your father naked. Why would he curse him for that? Um, that's because it's much bigger than that. He slept with his father's wife. That's what it means to uncover his nakedness. Um, again, this is what it looks like to read the scripture from a Hebraic lens and not a um, a Westerner's lens. Okay. All right. Um, he says in Leviticus twenty verse twenty two, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna come I'm gonna be done here. Leviticus 20, 22, and then I want to leave you there. He says, you shall keep my statutes and all my judgments and perform them that the land that I'm bringing you to, the land that I'm bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. He's setting them aside to be a nation of priests who reveal who God is. And God says in the scriptures that everybody else is living that way. This was not normal, guys. I want to make sure you guys understand this. These things that are being said was very odd to these people at that time. These, these laws were very, very odd to the people in that time. And yet God is reinstituting his character. He's reinstituting his heart. He's showing what it means to be holy, what it means to be set apart, to know who God is. And so now he's telling them, you need to be this. If you are going to sustain yourself in the land that I'm about to give you, side note, this land, this territory, these things that we want to inherit won't be sustainable without the grace of God. We need the grace of God. We need him and all of it. And what we're going to learn as the scriptures progress is that we're going to see now what was accomplished by God. We're going to see it as, as we close this. But if there's anything you leave with today, we're going to stay in a lot of tension, guys. There's a lot of tension. And the reason why I want to stay in this tension, by the way, is because I want us to know what was there before Christ. Because the reality is what they have, it was good, but what we have is better. What we have is better than what they have. And what these people got an opportunity to encounter is not just the calling of God, to be set apart by God, but to also be given the grace that when they fell short, there was a payment for them. And now after 16 and 17, we begin to see how we live out 
And that's what we're seeing happening at the end. So as we close, I want to leave you with this thought. The, the text opens up with Moses not being able to enter into the tent. I don't know what we're closing out the chapter right now. So that's why we're closing out the books. I want to, I want you to think about this and reflect on this as we pray. It starts with Moses who could not enter into the tent because of sin, because he is holy. And God from chapters one through chapters four and five, he entered dwelled with the people, instituted the law, a law of payment that would allow an unholy and unrighteous people to enter into his presence. The culmination of that is in chapter 16, when we see that all the price was paid for all the people from the goat and the scapegoat being sent away. That now an unholy, unrighteous people were given access to a holy and righteous God. What we read today is now that they know that. Love one another. Treat each other justly. Because if you do not treat each other justly, it's wickedness. And he outlines what it means to treat each other justly. That's it. I want you guys to to reflect on that. That wickedness is injustice. All of it is wickedness. And when we acknowledge that, that we can learn how to heal from some of our relational sins. Sexual sin is injustice. That's what it is. Sexual sin is injustice. Father, I ask, Lord, as we engage, Lord, in this tense moment, Lord, in this time of tension, as we come before you, Father, I, there's a, we have a propensity, uh, Father, to want to quickly just judge and move on. And yet we've learned from your, your scripture. And as we continue to read it, that there's one thing the law has not been effective in doing is in making us righteous, but rather it's in the law through you accomplishing the law that we find righteousness and justice. I'm being reminded how often it is that we Lord, are quick to point certain injustices out and leave certain injustices. And how often is it that we think that in some way we are the arbiters of what is just and unjust, and yet you are the arbiter of justice. And Lord, you were saying here in your word, there are many things that are unjust. And maybe we would like to think are just, and there are many things that are Injust that we would like to think are just and many things that we think are unjust that you would like 
and that you would know, that you would affirm, and that you would assert, and that you would declare, that you would decree are just. So, Father, teach us your ways that we may know you. Allow us, Lord, to see even the faults in our lives. And, Lord, teach us to rely on you and to trust in you and to, Lord, to take the blood. <laughs> oh, how we need the blood. As I read this, I'm being reminded every day how much I need the blood. How often it is that I fall short and yet, Lord, you've given us the blood. You've made the blood the way out. And thank you. Father, for those who are attending and watching, Father, I just pray, Lord, that the truth of this message be made real, be made evident. And while it may challenge, while it may make us uncomfortable, Lord, it would reorient us to love as you love, to care for one another as you have cared for us. For we love you, Lord. So teach us to love one another. Teach us to be just. Teach us, Lord, not to seek our own pleasure, but to seek, Lord, the flourishing of all your people. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen.